Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We are in day four of our look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 today. Earlier this week, we skipped past what to many is the most confusing and challenging part of this passage. You might remember a couple of days ago, we read that Paul said, don't have anything to do with, avoid, don't be a part of the life of someone who is idle. There's something in the scriptures about how we're to treat those who choose to be idle that is very challenging to many of us. Let me read for you verses 13 to 15 because Paul gets more specific here. And as for you brothers, he says, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So here, and this is challenging for many of us, Paul says, there's certain people I want you to keep away from, not to, not to associate with. For many of us, that, that, that just makes some radar go off in us. It doesn't sound kind. It doesn't sound loving to not associate with some people. In fact, I've even heard some people say, Jesus would never act like this. Paul is telling us to act in ways that Jesus would never act. Well, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul here. So obviously that's not correct because the Holy Spirit wouldn't speak against himself. And they've forgotten when they say that Jesus told his disciples if they went into a town and someone wouldn't accept them, they should just shake the dust off their feet and leave that town. Don't associate with those people. You see, it might help even as we begin to take a look at the questions surrounding these verses to identify what it means to not associate with someone. It doesn't mean you can't ever talk to them or you can't continue to invite them to change. Otherwise, you'd cut the person off and they'd never feel or sense what could happen in their lives. But it does mean that at a certain point, they're no longer a part of the fellowship of the church, the fellowship of the small group. And it does mean that a deep spiritual friendship, kinship with that person has been made impossible. Now, why? Why would Paul say this? Well, two reasons, for your sake and for their sake. Why should I not associate with certain people? First, for your sake. Now, Paul is talking here about somebody who has been warned, maybe repeatedly, about changes that need to happen in their lives. We know that he's warned people about work at least twice in two different letters, and still they refuse to change, even though they know it's the command of Jesus. Even though they've seen an example of how to change, they refuse to do it. And Paul says, for your sake, there comes a point when you can't associate with that person. Why? Because we're all influenced by those who are around us. If you think you're above that kind of influence, God says you are not. I'm influenced by the people around me. You're influenced by the people around you. And when it comes to people of faith, if I see somebody who says they have faith living in a certain way and seeming to, uh, let me put it this way, get away with certain things, and I'm living in a way and I'm not getting away with those things, it's very easy to become spiritually jealous and to be drawn toward doing the wrong thing. Now, I know we all think, oh, that would never happen to me. That's our pride speaking because we're all easily influenced by others. That's why we need the right models around us. So why should I not associate with certain people? For your sake. Same thing we tell our teenagers. Don't hang around with that group. If you hang around with that group, they're gonna take you in the wrong direction. But then we get to be adults and we think somehow we're immune. We are not immune. So for your sake, if somebody's been warned repeatedly, they're still heading the wrong direction, then you say, all right, you know, I'm willing to talk. I'm willing to help out, but we can't have the kind of friendship we used to have because your life is heading in the wrong direction and you know it. Why should I not associate for your sake, but also for their sake? In fact, that's what he points to most significantly here. He says, for their sake, so that they might feel ashamed. 
Now, this comes to the idea of them not being a part of the fellowship of the church. They're not welcome to the small group anymore. They're not welcome to the church anymore, the fellowship of that church, the places where the most deep fellowship and prayer happens. And they should feel a certain sense of shame in that, of I'm doing the wrong thing. I need to change. Uh, we read this, and this causes radar to go off in many of us also, that they may feel ashamed. I, I, th- I thought it was wrong to shame people. You're not shaming them. You're simply allowing them to feel the natural shame that should go along with their actions. If you treat someone like everything is fine when it's not, you've become a part of the problem. You're a part of their problem. You're not allowing them to feel the natural shame they should feel because of what they're doing that's wrong. When someone's doing the wrong thing, and they're hurting themselves, they're hurting others, the most loving thing is not to keep chasing after them to try to get them to do the right thing. It's like a two-year-old who gets attention every time they cry. If you keep chasing after someone every time they do the wrong thing, they'll keep doing the wrong thing just to get attention, just to keep getting chased, and you've become part of the problem. I know some of us think, well, if I don't stay friends, if I don't stay a close friend with this person, how in the world are they going to change? Well, I've got to say something that might shock you. That's your pride speaking. They can change in a million ways. And the greatest power of change is going to be the Holy Spirit and not you. And the truth is, this is a hard truth to hear. It's hard to say. The truth is that sometimes by staying in a close and accepting relationship with that person, you are keeping them from changing. Your prideful attitude that I'm their only chance, I'm I'm the only one who cares when no one else cares, is the very thing that is keeping them from changing. The acceptance and or the attention that they're feeling from you is causing them to feel that it's okay not to change. I don't say this lightly because I know it's not easy to hear. I hate doing this. I'm a peacemaker. I want everyone to feel good about themselves and about each other. But sometimes... Sometimes you just cannot do that because you're hurting not only them, but you're hurting yourself and you're hurting others. Now, when the Bible says here, there's a time to not associate with others, what does that mean? Just when I disagree with someone? Just when I don't like them? Just when they irritate me? No. This is clearly about when someone is disobedient to God's word. They know what to do. They've been warned repeatedly, but they are clearly deciding to be disobedient to God's word. They know it. You know it and they're deciding it. The Bible tells us here some very clear instruction about how to do this. If I'm in a relationship like this, where I need to change a friendship so somebody can feel the effects of what they're doing, the instruction about the relational side of this is very clear. Three things. First, don't give up on them. Second, don't evade a confrontation with them. And third, don't carry it too far. Just in these few verses. He begins by saying, don't tire of doing what is right. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't give up on people. It's interesting to me that before saying don't associate with people, he says don't give up on people. So this isn't a matter of giving up on someone. This is a matter of acting in a way where you pray for them and you love them, hoping that the best will happen in their lives, and you look for that to happen. So you're not just sort of shuttling people off. You don't give up on them. And secondly, you don't evade a confrontation. He says you want to note this person. You don't just hope the problem will go away. And so you don't do anything about it. You take note of it. You do something about it. But third, he says, relationally, don't carry it too far. In verse 15, he says, don't treat him like an enemy. Warn him like a brother. Don't make him feel like an enemy. Don't make him feel like he's not even a Christian. He's a brother confused. She's a sister confused. 
He needs help. She needs help. And so help them to feel that way even as you talk with them. Now, I know if you're facing this, it's difficult, challenging. And I know that you, as I do when I'm facing something like this, you need God's wisdom. And so I'd like to pray together for it right now. Would you pray with me and just say, Lord, give me wisdom. Say to Jesus, Jesus, I would never want to hurt someone else's faith by standing in the way of your solution to their problem, acting like I could be the solution, and really, you're the solution. So in as much as you need to get me out of the way, I am willing. And Jesus, I would never want to hurt my faith by pridefully acting as if I couldn't be influenced into doing the wrong thing. I admit that given the right circumstances, I could choose to do the wrong thing. So give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, Jesus, in my relationships. Give me courage. Give me the courage to never give up on anyone. Give me the strength to never give in to personal pride. Give me the ability to treat people as brothers and sisters in Christ who know you. And God, if someone needs to challenge me, there's a command of yours that I'm not following. Help me to be willing to listen. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to end our study of First and Second Thessalonians as we look at verses 16 to 18 of this third chapter. 